The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And on today's show, we are talking about attachment theory. Happy Sunday, everyone. I hope you're having a great weekend. I'm so excited because at the time of this dropping... I should be in Paris <laughs> and I can't believe that it's finally here. I feel like the time has gone so slow, but also so fast. This last week is flying and I just can't believe that it's finally there, but I'm not sure where you're listening to at the moment, but I hope you're having a great day and I hope that you have a great week ahead as well and that the first week of August has been good to you. There are journal prompts in the Your Safe Space broadcast channel on my Instagram and also in the Your Safe Space podcast group. So come and join those if you're not already. And just a little bit of housekeeping, obviously, in the room. I'm pre-recording all these episodes and I will be back obviously for season two when I'm back from my holiday. But what I'm going to do is pre-record a bunch of amazing episodes for you. So you still have episodes dropping every Friday, every Sunday, because I love you guys. And I know that you have built the podcast into your routine and I still want to give you episodes because it's important to me and all it's meant is that I have to be a little bit more organized before I go, but I can definitely do it and I am doing it for you. Now, this topic I'm very, very keen to do because I've wanted to do it for ages and then you guys voted for it and eventually we've gotten there. Whenever I present you options for the podcast to vote for, just know they'll always get done and it's more a matter of me just trying to get them done as quickly as I I can. But we are going to jump into my favorite post from the Facebook group. And this week I am talking about a post that Maddie put up about the puppy blues. And some of you listening are going to be like, what? What's the puppy blues? And Maddie, I saw your post and I think it was really interesting because I've struggled with this in the past as well. And Maddie had wrote how she had just gotten a new puppy and she loves her puppy so much, which we all, I'm sure we all do if we've ever gotten a dog, but it is really hard. And she's been really struggling with feeling the puppy blues during this period. And it was so beautiful to see the rest of the community really get around her and provide her some support and share their own experiences. And I think it just is another testament to the group and to you guys that, wow, when we need to rally around each other, we absolutely do. And it's nice to normalize these things and come and share these things because we feel safe enough to do so. So thank you, Maddie. I hope you're feeling a little bit better. And after reading those comments, if you still want me to add it into an AMA episode, let me know because I'm more than happy to do that. Because as I said, I felt it too with little Franklin. <laughs> All right. Now you guys know, we also start our Sunday episodes with a highlight, gratitude and struggle. And so very sad, but this will be the last one I do in real time. And I don't think I'm going to give you another highlight gratitude struggle in the Sunday apps while I'm away, just because I'm obviously not going to be recording in real time. And my highlights and gratitudes are probably going to be Europe-based. So right now, as it stands, let's start with the struggle. I'm having mad pre-travel anxiety. <laughs> like when I say mad, I mean, it's full on. 
I feel like I can't breathe and I know I'll be fine once I get on the plane, but it's just the amount of stuff I'm having to organize before I actually get on the plane is a lot, okay? And maybe it's my fault for putting so much on my plate, but I'm trying just to get through day by day. The other problem is I'm staying up to like 1am every night trying to get shit done and that's not helping either because (laughs) then my sleep schedule's fucked and it just is a vicious cycle that goes downhill. But I'm hoping that I get on the plane and that I sleep and that fixes all my problems. I'll let you know how it goes. Gratitude is actually my nonno's 80th birthday. We celebrated that on Sunday and I was freaking out. You guys know this. I was freaking out about turning 30, had a full mentee be about it. And then on Sunday, I was there at my nonno and nonna's and my nonno turned 80 and I was like, holy shit, this man has lived 50 more years than me. And I just could not fathom that because in my mind, I'm like, wow, I've already lived 30 years. And then the thought of living another 30 and then another 20 is so overwhelming. And it made me so happy. And I wanted to cry like happy tears because I was like, fuck, I hope I live to 80 and I hope I live a long and happy and healthy life. And I'm so grateful that he's lived a long and happy and healthy life. But it really put into perspective for me the whole aging thing and just, yeah, he's been alive for 50 years. Like, I mean, he's been alive for 80 years, but he's been alive for 50 years more than I've known him. And it's just, it was just crazy. Like it was just really jarring in a good way. And so I was very grateful to see him, very grateful to see my nonna, very grateful to see my family. Some of my cousins that were there will also be in Greece for the wedding. One of my cousins there is the one that's actually getting married. And so it was a beautiful, wholesome Sunday. And I was really grateful that I got to do that. And then my highlight is I took my car to get a service yesterday because I already hit 10,000 Ks. It was the first 10,000 K and first service. And I was obviously trying to get everything done before I'm leaving. And so I'm like, oh, great. I've got to take my car to get a service. Add that to the list of things I've got to do. But my local Mazda is so lovely. They washed the car for me complimentary. And then they also gave me a discount on the service. And I just was not expecting it, but it was just really beautiful customer service. And so I was very grateful for that. And it kind of just made my Monday because I wasn't expecting it. And so, yeah, that was my highlight. Now we have no time to waste because this episode is a long one. It's a juicy one and I want to get straight into it. So we are talking attachment theory. And as I said, I've wanted to do this for a really long time. I personally have been so fascinated by attachment theory and I'll explain what it is in a second. I also recently read the book Attached by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel S. Heller. And then I polled you guys and you voted for it. So here we are. Now, before we get into it, a little reminder, a little bit of housekeeping take this episode with a grain of salt. Now, the reason I say that is because I'm always very mindful when it comes to labels and always very mindful when it comes to putting ourselves in boxes. Because yes, I know it's nice to attach ourselves to something, but it's not the be all and end all. And our attachment style doesn't necessarily need to dictate everything. And The reason that I say that is because I don't want you to compare your attachment style to anybody else or even to me. And attachment styles are not black and white. They're very dimensional. And what I mean by that is that you can experience different attachment styles in different relationships. You can also experience different attachment styles at different points in your life. 
And there is evidence that your attachment style can fluctuate and change and be fluid across your lifespan. Okay, so keep that in mind while you're listening to this episode. Now, this podcast is not a replacement for professional mental health help or support. And if you do need that, please check the show notes. I'll give you another reminder at the end as well, just because of what we are discussing today. But let's start with a definition and take it back to how this all started and where it came from. So attachment theory was actually developed in the 60s and 70s by psychoanalyst John Bowlby. And then it was later expanded on by another psychologist, Mary Ainsworth. Now, this theory is one of the most studied, especially when it comes to parenting. And that is because it has so much to do with our formative years and us as babies and children. And the theory discusses how parents who are present and responsive to their children's needs and give their child a safe base from which the child can venture out and experience the world and then return back for comfort. So it has a lot to do with how we are raised and a lot to do with how we are brought up. And I guess my interest for it comes into play with how it then goes on to impact our relationships as adults now, because studies have shown your upbringing and the way that you were raised does have an impact with how you experience the real world now. And so I think we can all agree, we all have childhood memories, our experiences and what we went through are all going to be so different, so intimate and so personal, but they do have an impact on how we function in life as adults, especially when it comes to our relationships. And the reason this happens is because that feeling of trust and that feeling of safety is actually built in infancy. And so I'm going to share an interesting fact because I didn't know this, but at six months old, a baby, a literal baby is already beginning to anticipate the caregiver's responses to their distress. And the baby is already shaping their own behavior to go with that response. So even before a baby can speak, they're already doing this and understanding what the caregiver is about to do and then shaping their own behavior in response to that. And so what happens is the pattern of behaviors that we then go on to repeat and go on to do when it comes to adulthood is actually called our attachment style. And so our attachment style is more often than not established as a result of our own relationship with our caregivers or parents. And that's because when we were babies, we were learning how to express our needs. We were learning how to assess our safety and we were learning how to respond to other people's emotions. By other people, I mean our parents and our caregivers. And so there are four attachment styles. I'm going to go through all of them. The first one is secure attachment. The second one is anxious attachment, which is also known as anxious insecure or preoccupied. I'm going to call it anxious just for the ease of this episode. We then have avoidant attachment, which is also known as avoidant insecure or dismissive. Again, I'm just going to call it avoidant. And then lastly, we have disorganized attachment, which is also known as disorganized insecure or fearful avoidant. And so again, I'll just be calling that disorganized for the purpose of this episode. But studies have shown that if a child can consistently rely on their parents to fulfill their needs growing up, then they're likely to develop a secure attachment style. They'll see relationships as a very safe space, the irony of that, and they'll be able to see relationships as this place where they can be themselves and express their emotions freely without any worries. On the other hand, Insecure attachment, which refers to anxious, avoidant, and disorganized, can form 
if a child has had a strained bond or strained relationship with their caregivers. And so what happens is in those circumstances, a child learns that they can't rely on their caregivers to fulfill their basic needs and comfort. And so some quick notes before we get into each one, because we're going to deep dive them all. But the book attached that I mentioned only covers the first three, secure, anxious and avoidant. And the first three attachment styles were developed first and then researchers later added that fourth attachment style of disorganized. Today, as I said, I'm going to be referring to all of them, secure, anxious, avoidant and disorganized, and we're going to unpack them. (laughs) So let's start with secure attachment. Now, this is what we all want. (laughs) This is what we want to aim for. This is where we want to be. And I'll give you some signs of what this attachment style includes. So If you're someone who feels secure or identifies as secure, you may have the following. Self-awareness, emotional availability. You may be comfortable with close relationships. You are able to trust people in your life freely. You are able to self-regulate your emotions and self-soothe in a healthy way. You will know it's okay to get help if you need. You're not afraid to ask for help. You are able to work through conflict and you're able to communicate well too. And you also have a positive self-concept of yourself. So you think of yourself highly, you think of yourself as someone who is deserving and as someone who is worthy. This attachment style means that you have a positive image of yourself and you also have a positive image of others around you. And so a secure attachment, as I said, is what happens when your parents or your caregivers model that behavior to you. So if your parents were emotionally available were responsive to your needs, showed you empathy, showed you kindness, showed you compassion, you were likely to have felt secure and safe growing up. And so that would have formed a secure attachment for you in those early years. Obviously, if you have this attachment style, it's amazing because what happens is as an adult, you then grow up and you then go on to have very healthy, secure attachments with other people in your life. And it has shown studies that If you are someone with a secure attachment style, you are then more likely to go on and navigate relationships in a secure manner as well, because you're generally more positive and trusting and loving as well to your partners. And this is because securely attached people know that they deserve love and know that they are worthy of it and they don't rely on external reassurance. Now, if you are trying to spot secure attachment in somebody else, and I'm doing this for all of them. Here are some things that you should look out for. So they're likely to be quite consistent with their behavior, especially in dating. They're likely to communicate well. And this goes for communicating issues as well. They're reliable. They're consistent. They can compromise. They can compromise in general, but also in an argument. They are not afraid of commitment. They are not afraid of relationships. They don't see relationships as hard work or difficult. And they don't play games either. You will always know where you stand with somebody who is securely attached. Now, I'm going to give you what to look for in others for every attachment style, but I also want to say it's so important not to just look at these in isolation and think, oh my God, this person has X, Y, Z, so that must mean that they're secure or they're anxious or they're avoidant. Take it with a grain of salt, as I said at the start of the episode. Our next attachment style is anxious attachment, which is high anxiety and low avoidance. Now, Please don't stress if you are someone that has anxious attachment and if you don't have secure, don't panic. We're just observing. I will give you some more guidance on that at the end. But if you are someone who has anxious attachment, you may have the following, a fear of abandonment, a fear of rejection, 
You may also be more likely to engage in codependency behavior. You may also be more likely to engage in self-sacrificing behavior. I've spoken about that quite a bit where you put other people and the relationship before your own needs and your own wants and desires. You may also be highly sensitive to criticism, both real criticism and perceived criticism from others. You may rely on others for approval or validation. You may struggle being in your own company. You may feel unworthy. You may have difficulty trusting others. You'll also potentially have a low self-concept or low self-esteem. And with this attachment style, you have a negative image of yourself, but then a positive image of everybody else. Now, an anxious attachment forms when our parents or our caregivers were inconsistent during our childhood. So what happens is the parent may have been responding to the child's needs very sporadically. Sometimes they would respond, other times they wouldn't. Now, what happens is when a child can't rely on their parent or their caregiver to be there when they need, the child may then go on to experience very high levels of distress during their childhood or when the caregivers leave, and then that can help develop that anxious attachment. Now, if you know that you have an anxious attachment, your parents may have also sometimes made you feel like an adult and almost made you feel like you had to grow up a little bit quicker or made you feel responsible for how they felt. And maybe your parents would also get very overwhelmed easily, be very emotionally responsive. Sometimes they could have been attentive to you and other times they could have not been attentive to you. And so as a result, you grow up having an anxious attachment style and you tend to think that you need to take care of everyone else. You tend to think that you have to sacrifice your wants and needs to make others happy and that's how that codependency behavior can start too. And so this then manifests in adulthood as people with an anxious attachment in the dating pool, feeling unworthy of love, feeling needy, possibly if they're already in a relationship, sometimes getting into the wrong relationships or repeating poor relationship patterns because of their attachment style. And this really just goes back to this very deep rooted fear that the anxiously attached person has, which is they are fearful of being abandoned and fearful of being unwanted or rejected or by themselves. And so how you would spot this in somebody else, again, with a grain of salt, I'm not saying this is the be all end all, but an anxiously attached person may be unhappy if they aren't in a relationship. They may tend to feel like they need a relationship and they can't be by themselves. If they are in a relationship or even if they're not, they always want to be close to the person that they're dating or the person that they're with. And they always want more of it, like it never seems to be enough. They may also express insecurities within themselves or within the relationship. They will also not speak up and not communicate when things are bothering them or when things upset them. They also tend to let the other person set the tone of the relationship. So instead of advocating for themselves, they're letting the other person steer the ship. And they also worry that small fights or very tiny little mishaps that happen could destroy the relationship. And so that's why they tend to keep quiet as opposed to actually speaking up for what they want. I also used to have an anxious attachment style. So I'm sure some of the things I've mentioned in this, you guys would be able to see in me as well. Not anymore. And we'll talk about that at the end. Our next attachment style is avoidant attachment. And this attachment style is low anxiety, but high avoidance. And again, please don't stress if you have an avoidant attachment style and that yours is not secure. 
we'll touch on that at the end. But if you are someone who has an avoidant attachment, you may have a very strong sense of independence. You may get very uncomfortable talking about your feelings or very uncomfortable talking about anything kind of deep and emotional. You may be uncomfortable expressing your own feelings and very dismissive of your own feelings and dismissive of how you're feeling and what you want. You may feel threatened by a relationship or anybody getting too close to you. You have a very strong belief that you don't need anybody in life. You may have difficulty committing, commitment issues. Maybe you also avoid intimacy, both physically and emotionally. And with this attachment style, it's interesting because the self-concept and self-esteem is generally high as opposed to with the anxious where it's low. And so with this attachment style, the avoidance tend to have a positive self-image and then a negative image of others. So you can see how the attachment styles differ within themselves. Now, for an avoidant attachment to form, this occurs when the parents are super strict and the parents are also very emotionally unavailable or even absent in the child's life. Now, if you had a caregiver who would leave you to fend for yourself and forcing that independence on you from quite a young age, that showed you in a way that they were almost rejecting your needs and your wants. And so that is how that avoidant attachment starts to form. Now, everything I'm talking about exists on a spectrum. And I'm not sitting here saying that our parents are terrible parents. Yes, there are going to be neglectful parents out there. I'm fully aware of that. But especially with the avoidant parents, I'm not sitting here saying like they never care for their children. It could be as simple as just being really busy, right? And maybe they're working lots or maybe your parents were more concerned about your manners or your grades or you cleaning up around the house as opposed to caring about your needs and your wants and your emotions and that emotional availability. And so what happens in adulthood is we get these super, super independent, avoidantly attached people and they have learned that they don't need anyone to rely on. They have learned that they just can do it on their own because they've done that since they were a kid and they then go on to navigate relationships the same way. And it's sad because with the avoidantly attached, they still want that desire deep down to have that connection, but they never ever or they struggle to let people in because they are so scared of that emotional connection. And so they tend to keep everyone at an arm's length. And essentially any romantic relationship never really has the chance to get that depth, that emotional level of depth because of that fear of emotional intimacy. And so how to spot it in others, (laughs) they may give you mixed signals. They may be dismissive of themselves and also dismissive of you. Typically avoidance will show the same behavior to you that they'll show to themselves. They will value their independence and they will let you know that they value their independence and sometimes they value it more than you or the relationship. They will also use distancing strategies, again, keeping you at an arm's length at all times. They also have a very unrealistic view of relationships. So they may say that relationships are hard or relationships are so much commitment and relationships are too much work. And that's actually not a balanced and healthy way to look at relationships. So that's a sign that someone could be avoidant. During an argument, they also may tend to walk away or blow up quite physically, getting really angry. And they also will reject and not talk about things between you or not talk about deep things at all. Now, 
as I said, not sitting here saying that someone that does that is definitely avoidant. Take it with a grain of salt. And then our last attachment style is disorganized attachment. And this is high anxiety, high avoidance. So you can see again, the difference between each one. And this is a mixture of anxious and avoidant in a way. Now, this is a mixture of the last two that I spoke about, but there's also another element to this because the first three attachment styles I spoke about are sometimes also referred to as organized. And this is because in those attachment styles, the child learns how to behave and then organizes their strategy and their behavior in line with that. So it's very systematic. It's very organized. With this attachment style, it's considered disorganized because the child's strategy is disorganized. It's confused and the behavior is the same. It's very disorganized and a little bit all over the place. And so that's why this attachment style is defined as having extremely inconsistent behavior and great difficulty trusting others. And very sadly, the most common cause of this attachment style is childhood trauma, childhood neglect or abuse. And this attachment is also associated with mood disorders, personality disorders, substance abuse, self-harm and other mental health conditions. And so I thought it was important that I also include this to give you a holistic view of the attachment styles. And of course, if you are struggling with this attachment style, I do recommend getting professional help, chatting to your GP or professional mental health support who can provide that to you. Now, there are a couple other points that I think are very important that I put into this episode and I would love to do a part two. But the first one is if you don't know what your attachment style is, I've got a quiz. I'll link it in the notes. I'll also put it into the Your Safe Space Facebook group. As I said, take it with a grain of salt. It's a nice starting point to build that awareness if you don't already know. And I also did some other research for the episode because I wanted to know what percentage of the population was what. And so take it with a grain of salt. But according to some of the research I found, they believe that half of the population is actually secure. Another 20% is anxious. Another 25% is avoidant. And then 5% are disorganized. I think the numbers are probably around that point. But again, take it with a grain of salt. I also don't want you to be disheartened if you are not securely attached, okay? And I know it can be hard to maybe get a result that you don't want or maybe look at things that you don't want to look at. It can be a little bit jarring. It can be a little bit harsh. But awareness and bringing things to light is a great starting point. And as I said at the start, I don't want you to just pigeonhole yourself based on your attachment style. There are so many other things that exist and can impact your behavior and the way that you perceive the world. And I can't cover all those things in this episode, but it can help you still start to understand your own dating relationship patterns and understand your own behavior. Obviously, I did touch on when I went through the anxiously attached part that I was also anxiously attached and... I think you guys would have known, I've spoken about it many times, but in my past relationships, up until I went to therapy, I would continually choose partners that were very avoidant. (laughs) I would self-sacrifice what I wanted. I would repeat these patterns. And the reason I did that was because I had this core belief that I wasn't good enough. I had this core belief that I didn't deserve love. I had this core belief that I had to be someone that I wasn't in order to get the love that I wanted so that people wouldn't leave. And 
that pattern never served me because all it meant was that for a certain period of time, yes, I could keep a relationship, but then when I actually wanted to be myself and when I tried to do that, I couldn't. And so for me, going to therapy, I didn't go to therapy because of my attachment style, but going to therapy, I was able to learn about my attachment style and I was able to start to heal it and start to practice secure attachment in other areas of my life. And so I didn't do the test for a little while. I think the last time I did it might have been like a year or two ago, but I did it yesterday because <laughs> I wanted to check. And I had a feeling that I was secure and it came up secure. And I was like, thank God, because like I've done so much bloody work on myself. So I'm glad that I'm there now. But I wanted to share that because I wasn't always securely attached. I had a very warped perception of myself, a very warped perception of relationships. And I was able to move from that anxiously attached to securely attached. And I think it's important to mention as well that it's not black and white because when I was anxiously attached in my relationships, I was very securely attached to my friends, to my family and to my therapist. It was just romantically that I really struggled and in saying that, I also know right after a breakup or right after I've been hurt, I can show avoidant tendencies. And so I think they are fluid. I think that you can be multiple. I think that you can experience different ones at different points in your life. So again, please don't pigeonhole yourself. And if you want to know how you can change your own attachment style, I would love to do a part two and maybe even get one of my psychologist friends on so we can unpack that a little bit more. And then lastly, the final point I want to end on is the very fascinating and very real push-pull effect that happens between the anxiously attached and the avoidantly attached. And as someone who was anxiously attached and who attracted very, very avoidant partners, I find it fascinating because what happens here is that both partners have this unconscious need to fulfill this unmet need from childhood, right? And it plays out within each other. And so anxiously attached people are typically drawn to avoidant partners because they represent familiarity. So they feel like their parents who were inconsistent and their parents who maybe were sometimes there, sometimes weren't, they feel that same familiar feeling with the people or the avoidant people that they're choosing to date. And so they almost find comfort in this, which is really fascinating when you look at it. And again, no judgment to anyone that's doing this because I used to do it as well, but anxiously attached people see it as an opportunity to almost try to challenge, to win this person's affection and to win this person's love and to get that because they didn't get that in their childhood. And then on the other hand, you have the avoidantly attached people who are attracted to the anxiously attached people because the anxious person has this pursuit of the avoidant person and it reinforces the view for the avoidant person of their high self-image and it reinforces their need for independence and that self-reliance. And so you have this constant push-pull often with avoidance and with the anxiously attached. And so I find it so fascinating and so interesting and some of you listening may be able to resonate, but I would love a part two. So if you want that, keep that in mind for season two. We are going to wrap the show here though, because it has been a lot of information and maybe information overload. But my last note is if you are interested in changing your attachment style, it's definitely possible. Nothing is ever set in stone. And I think psychology and neuroplasticity has come a long way and shown us that we can re 
rewire our brains and change things. And so if you do want to work towards a more secure attachment, you definitely can. And if you do want more guidance, I would say reach out to a professional mental health person, a psychologist, a counselor, they can all help you move to that securely attached point as well. Now, I want to just wrap on this note because I know we have parents in the Your Safe Space podcast community. I don't have kids, obviously. I am a child, but I don't have kids. <laughs> look, look at me, 30 years old, saying I'm a child. I never want to come on and give parenting advice, especially because I don't have that lived experience. But I also don't want to scare any parents listening, thinking, oh my God, am I not raising my child properly with a proper attachment or a secure attachment? And I just want to say to the parents listening, you're doing a really good job. Parenting is probably one of the hardest jobs in the world. And... I think you're doing great and I think it can be so incredibly challenging. And so I just want to remind you that as long as you are trying your best and as long as you are just aiming to try to be there for your child emotionally and physically and trying your best, that is literally all you can do. I don't want you to lose sleep over this attachment theory, okay? You're doing a great job. Keep doing a great job. And yeah, I'm sending love to whoever's out there listening either struggling with parenting or struggling with their own attachment and their own dating patterns. But you guys, if it is causing you distress, as I said, please seek the support of a professional. But we're going to wrap the show here. Thank you for listening. If you are not already, follow us on Instagram, Your Safe Space Pod. Follow me at Adele Marie. Join the Facebook group, Your Safe Space Podcast community. Leave us a review on Apple. Leave us a rating on Spotify. And yeah, let us know what you thought of this episode. Share it on your story while you're listening too. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.